Hi, everyone. Welcome to Art Chat with Linda. I'm your host, Linda Riesenberg Fisler, and I have my co-host, Sherry Dawn Haas with me. Say hi, Sherry. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's always good when we get on the get on these Zoom calls because it's really interesting that um, we talk for a few minutes beforehand and just kind of go over what we're going to talk about with the show. And it's like our energy level, I can feel it just goes way up. <laughs> you know, it just, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk creativity. This is going to be so good. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about um, facing our fears and um, having the courage to push through that. And um, I'm all about trying to be more positive um, this year. Uh, I don't know if uh, Sherry, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't know. I do know that Sherry wants to be positive this year too. It's been a heck of a start of the year. Um, just for historical purposes, we'll um, kind of frame what we're dealing with at this point. And I'm not going to get into politics, even though that's a big part of what's going on right now. It's a little scary um, what's going on in Washington, D.C. is important. Um, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It is important that they work through this. And that's all I'm going to say about the political stuff, other than it's just, you know, it's a, it's a little scary. It, it can stop us in our tracks. And, um, you know, when our half of our brain is focusing on, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Um, you know, pushing through that and trying to get creative and be in a creative space, I think is rewarding once you get past that. And I think it helps to ground us and settle us. So, um, in the art chat community, I just posted yesterday, what's everybody doing, you know, breathe, take a few breaths, you know, we didn't get into politics at all, because that's a politics free zone. And, um, and so, you know, I just wanted to kind of try to encourage folks to um, just kind of push through that fear that we're all feeling, which is the topic of our, our, our uh, podcast today is um, kind of having the courage to push through our fears. And we're going to talk about some fears about creating, and then we're going to go into some things about, um, you know, some other high level fears that require some other, um, I don't know, processes or, or something. It's surprise. It's not really a surprise, because if you've been listening to me for a while, you know about what, what happened a couple years ago. So, um, but yeah, and then the other thing is the COVID numbers are increasing and we're still dealing with the pandemic. So welcome to 2021. <laughs> so, doesn't look much different than 2020. I saw a meme the other day, Sherry. It was really funny. It came back. It's like, um, I had my seven day free trial of 2021 and I like to cancel it. So I was like, yeah, well, I didn't think it'd be much different. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the things that I want to congratulate you on is your first, um, your first Oh gosh, the word went out of my mind. Class? Is it the retreat? Class? The retreat. The yes. Retreat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, despite everything that's going on in the world around us, um, we have, do have some really great news. So Sherry hosted her retreat. I'll let you tell, I'll let you tell about that in a second. And I actually sold a painting in the first five days of, of 2021. So Yay. it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, so while all this other stuff is going on, just kind of stay focused and make sure that you're okay. So um, Sher Sherry's really good about talking about this because she's been trained with yoga and she did her first retreat. So tell us about the retreat and how it went. Sure. So, um, you know, it was, it was focused on goals and intentions for the year. Um, I always like to start the year thinking about that. You know, I sort of map out what my 
what my hopes are, you know, like we can never guarantee anything. Right. Right. But I like to have it at least in mind. And I think I shared a little bit, I might've shared a little bit about that. Like in the last podcast that I did mm-hmm. with you were like, I just, even, I just have like a little sticky note on the front of my journal that tells me like the very top things that I'm going to focus on last year, those few little things that I focused on just were knocked out of the ballpark, like in a really great way, you know, Mm -hmm. just like in a magical way. And so for the past few weeks, I've been sort of thinking about what I want this year to look like, and then trying to just expand those dreams and also figure out how I can make them reality. So I got to lead a retreat at the yoga studio where I'm studying currently. And, you know, we just kind of talked about how to map out our plans and how to stay you know, we talked about being accountable. I know, (laughs) you know, a fun word, but how to just stay focused and what to do when all the obstacles come up. Um, Mm -hmm. And one piece that we talked about was, you know, fear, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's definitely part of it. I think it's, you know, you have to be courageous to even set a goal, that first step. And the fact that people came to the retreat and the fact that people are listening to this podcast you know, just know, I I want the listeners to know that you're already being courageous by showing up. You're already taking that first baby step toward, you know, achieving your goals, living the life that you want to live, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Um, it's, it takes steps like this. So, yeah. Right. Right. So in the last, um, but, and one more thing that I wanted to, to, um, just state, I've been doing this podcast for probably 11 years. I have to go back and check that actual startup date because I started out over on um, Arch, uh, Red, Blog Talk Radio. And I think that was probably the big place to go and do things. And I can't remember if it was 2009 or 2010 or if it was even before that. So I've, I'm basically saying that I've been doing the podcast for 11 years, but I'm thinking it's probably closer to 13 or 14 years if I include the blog talk radio part. And then I think I switched to go to meeting or something, but yeah. So that was kind of like, okay, pat yourself on the back. Because when I first started doing this, I was like, am I really going to continue this for this long of time? And, you know, I, I, I remember that um, artists helping artists started up at the same time that we did. And I went out, I said, Oh, I wonder if they're still around, you know, and I went out and looked and, and they're not. And I was like, wow. Okay. You know, we started out at about the same time. We were not, I mean, like Leslie and Dreama, I love both of them. They, you know, are so creative and everything. Um, So it wasn't really a contest or anything, but I think we probably, at least I kept tabs on what they were doing. I'm sure they kept tabs on what I was doing or maybe not. And that's okay, whichever they decided to do. (laughs) But it just, you know, it's kind of like wanted to feed off of each other if we could and um, and stuff. But yeah, so it's been kind of interesting. And I know when I, I asked a couple of the artists to come back on and they're like, well, what are we going to talk about this time? <laughs> I just got to laugh. It's like, I'm sure we'll find out something, figure out something to talk about. So yeah. there's always I just, something. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of, and I think a lot of times when we talk about facing fears and everything, I remember when I first started doing this, I was scared to death to do this. It was like, you know, as much as I always wanted to be a DJ, um, in the old days, not now, but, you know, and play music the whole time. And because I love listening to music and, and, and the knowledge that that comes with. And I thought, well, this is like one way I could be a DJ. So, okay. so, yeah. 
<laughs> so it's kind of fun. And um, yeah, so that was like the first fear I think I conquered. Um, and of course, we all have fears. I, and I don't want to stick too much to painting because we talked a lot about painting last time. And I and Sherry and I are writers. So I thought we'd focus a little bit more on um, our fears. And, and they can be fears of creativity and other things as well. But the big thing is, is, you know, when we, I always say, facing the white paper of either Microsoft Word, or if you're writing in a journal or whatever, facing that blank paper is no different than facing that blank canvas. And the fears are very similar. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sherry, talk a little bit about your fears um, of writing and performing, and then I'll jump on to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so going back to that, that blank page, you're completely right. Like that can be a very serious moment when you first, you know, open your journal or open your document. And sometimes what I do is I'll just actually, I, I work in Google Docs. That's my preferred drug of choice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, like it automatically saves. I can get it from everywhere. So it just works for me. Um, and the first thing that I do will, is type out, this does not have to be the first sentence. So yeah, so I just type out, this does not have to be the first sentence. And then I go. Um, and I wanted to share like a, just a few like points that I keep in mind throughout my writing um, uh, projects. One is when I was writing my first novel, Girl on Fire, um, it has some things in it that are like, you know, like I, when I was writing the scenes, I thought, oh my gosh, my mom's going to read this or, oh my gosh, my, my, at the time my preacher was interested. He's like, I can't wait to read your book. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so part of my fear was what will people think? And of course I'm going through that now with my current novel, because when you're writing a novel, you know, like life happens in it and life happens in it that, you know, things happen that you don't talk about in normal life. And that's what right. makes novels interesting right right I keep telling myself like people don't look at Stephen King and think that he's like completely messed up in the head because of <laughs> what comes out you know in his books and so I just continue to, to remind myself that I just I write as if my mom and my preacher are not going to read it and that's how I find my authentic voice mm -hmm. and um and get past the fear of what will people think yeah you just have to forget that that they're out there sometimes. Um, another thing that I do, this is just kind of fun. Um, my husband brought home this little clay bowl that I'll share for the people who are able to watch the video. Um, and it's scary. It's a really scary face <laughs> and it's ugly. And like the teeth are all you know, just <laughs> like pointy and there's no pupils in the eyes. It's just scary. And um, this is like what, this is how I visualize my fears. And so I just kind of look at this little face sometimes. I'm like, it's it's nothing. You know what I mean? It just kind of helps me keep keep it light and just have fun with it and be like, okay, like, so that's kind of a fun visual thing that I do. And another thing that I did that was really helpful is I took this beautiful journal that um, I will I will for I will forever hold dear. Um, this lady came up to me at a plein air convention one year. And she was so sweet. And she was like, I feel like you're my kindred spirit. And I'm like, Aww. I probably am then, you know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't get to meet our readers very often because they're, you know, they're all over the world. And I'm like, in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> we, 
we just really connected. And later she, she like made this journal for me and she mailed it to me. And it's, you can tell it's like a handmade journal. And go. she okay. somehow knew like what one of my spirit animals was, which is the deer. And she has this beautiful drawing of a deer inside. And so this has become my inspiration journal. But the first thing that I did is I took the first page of the journal and I made that, I actually drew a picture of that ugly, scary <laughs> face. And this is like where those thoughts go. And that's where those, the, you know, just like the voices in your head that come with fear, you know, right. like, yeah. and that's all, that's what the fear is, right? Like we articulated into sentences and phrases that we've heard other people say, or that come up into our mind. And then we just kind of keep repeating them. And for me, like, my fears are at a very shallow level. Like I will be the first to admit that. And so it's just, it is things like, what will people think? But by writing them down and just giving them one page, I sort of contain them. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the book is inspiration. And it's just like, you know, inspiring words, kind things that people have said to me about my projects or my work or whatever. Um, things that I read, I, I have a lot of artist quotes in here, actually, although I'm not a painter, like, you know, every day I'm inspired by an artist that I come into contact with through working for Streamline. So that's sort of, that's my overview on, on fears um, in regards to writing, especially. Right. Yeah. When it's really kind of interesting because I had a, a couple conversations with a couple artists, like, well, for example, Scott Burdick writes and paints. And um, now he's on Facebook, he's kind of putting stories behind the paintings that he's making, which I think is really cool. So he's using both. And I, um, Scott and Susan Lyon just joined the Art Chat community um, this past week too. So I'm, I'm expecting a lot to see a lot of creative stuff coming from, from Scott and Susan. Um, it, it, George, naturally, George Gallo does all this directing and screenwriting and painting and all this. So I think, and then, you know, I write and paint, you dance and yoga and write. And, you know, and it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's almost like when you step back and say, okay, this is the creative process for when I'm making a painting. I face that white canvas and then I have to figure out the process of going through it. So you're, yeah, you have that initial oh gosh, I'm going to mess this up. But the more you do it, the less I think, into, unless you start a brand new novel, like we're doing, <laughs> you know, you, you, that white page is like, okay, where do I want to start? And you've got 20 different questions going through your head. And, um, you know, it's good to just kind of write those questions. What do I want to happen to this character, you know, in this book and start there. And that I consider is kind of part of, depending on whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, is part of the beginning of the book. It's, um, I think I told you on the Art Chat community, I've got an Excel spreadsheet that starts like back in 1900 and covers every one of my, my um, characters in the blind series, but it also has um, events that, big events that I think shaped some of the, of where we are today. So yeah, it's a political crime. I think my friend in the Netherlands said, yeah, you're a political crime writer. Don't listen to anybody else. And I was like, wow. Yeah, because I never put it in that genre. I put it in historical kind of literary type of, of thing. And I was like, maybe I should be doing political and espionage and all of these other tag keywords to go with it. But yeah, facing that, I mean, that, that first book, 
like started back in uh, Blind Influence. I started back in 1984. It didn't get published until 2015. <laughs> so you want to talk about a fear. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and a lot of it was, you know, at that time you didn't have self-publishing. So a lot of the stuff was, um, you know, how do I get a literary agent, which I still don't know how you do that, but, <laughs> but it's, it's just, and do I really want one? I mean, that's the other question that goes with that, but yeah, so there's that fear of, um, publishing, what are my right, what are my readers going to think? There's always going to be somebody, and I, and I keep telling this to, to um, a number of artists who come up and say, well, you know, I thought I did great on this painting, or I thought this book I wrote was really good. And, you know, I got all these bad reviews and people said they didn't like it. And, you know, naturally as being artists, we kind of, you know, feel like we can critique everybody's work, whether, <laughs> whether or not they ask for it, which is kind of rude when they don't ask for it and we critique it. But, um, but yeah, so it's just kind of, you know, this is, are people going to like it or not? And um, it's really, really great when you get a compliment on your book. I mean, you just feel like, wow, this is great. They, you know, they've come in, but it's, you know, it's not so great when we don't get a compliment, <laughs> when they don't compliment us or they don't see it the same way that we see it. And yeah, go ahead, Sherry. I know you want to say something. So <laughs> I do. Yeah, you just said something that um, it reminds it reminds me because like I'm in my studio space right now, like my yoga space, mm -hmm. and on my wall, I have a lot of quotes and things like that. I actually tore a page out of a book, which like I'm sorry, I'm one of those people. I know, I know. <laughs> my eyes are like no, <laughs> I know, but it's now on my wall, and it's right by my studio door where I pass it. But on that page. It talks about how when we create something, it's not up to us how the world is going to receive it. Right. And I think that's so important. And I think that that knowing that and keeping that in mind can help us get through the fear of worrying so much about it because there's there's an audience, there's someone who's going to love what you're making no matter what it is. Um, I actually just read this um, marketing, it was like a marketing thing that I did and um, that I was reading. And it talked about how like, if you think that you have a niche, go even more niche within that. Because in today's, you know, world of technology, there's a way to find, like the people will find you that mm -hmm. are in that same tiny niche and they're out there. And so do it and do it 100% and, and just go for it. Right, and you know, the interesting thing is to build on that, as I, as I said it earlier, our chat's been around for, you know, at 11 to 13 years, whatever. Um, and I, I did this because I wanted it to be a historical record, but I also did it because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be kind of DJ, like I said, but it, it's really interesting because for sticking with it for that long period of time, the reward of that is I'm in the top 10% of podcasts globally. And I'm like, you know how many podcasts there are globally? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yes. And I mean, we're talking millions of podcasts and that number is growing every day because this is the new hot thing to do. And it, and I think it's great. And you have all of these platforms to share, share the information on, but I would, I would never have thought that I would be that high up. And this is an international broadcast. So um, I have people listening. We have people listening 
uh, all over the world. And sometimes in countries that I didn't even know existed, unfortunately, but that's really a good thing because then I go look them up. So it's like, where is that? You know? <laughs> but, but if we're inspiring, I mean, we are, literally are inspiring artists all over the world with our podcasts. And that you know, that should, for me, that overcomes the fear of getting on and talking, you know, people, there are people that like this show, there are people that don't like this show. And I don't want to focus on the people who don't like this show or my books or my paintings, or anything I create, I want to focus on the people that I bring joy to. So um, I quickly get over that fear of that white paper or that, that canvas and, and really just start to try to, okay, let's get in that zone and start creating. And, um, and there is a fear that comes with that occasionally too. And that is that you don't get into the zone. It's like, when am I going to get into that zone? So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've had days where you've like, okay, I'm going to write today. And it's like, I can't write today. <laughs> it's just not going to come, you know? So, yeah, yeah. There, definitely, there definitely are days like that. And there are moments like that even. And I, sometimes what I'll do is I'll, I have like backup plans for my writing. So for example, where I am with my not my current novel draft, mm -hmm. I, it is so close to being finished that I can taste it, you know? <laughs> and so like I have plans to share it with my next beta reader at the end of this month. And in the meantime, there are all these pieces that I need to work on with it. Well, there's a part that was coming up that was really like, I knew, I knew that this chapter had to happen, but it's mm. a very, sad like it's sad and I put it off like I'd sit down to work on it and I just couldn't do it because I knew that I, I had to get into the character's headspace which was a very very serious place and um that's not where I usually reside you know so like I had to I had to go there but um when I would sit down with my precious time to work on it when I couldn't get to that space I had other things that I knew that I could work on that still fell within that, that sort of creative time and like toward the novel mm -hmm. for whenever. So I'm sometimes like one time I actually just went through the entire document. Actually, I haven't done the entire one yet, but like I fixed all the indents. Like this is such like a, a nerdy thing to <laughs> be talking about, but you know, like you, if you tab over, like it does some weird formatting things. And like, as I was writing this novel, you know, like it's like almost 160 pages long. I wasn't worried about indents, you know, right. and like the formatting pieces. But when I couldn't think about this sad chapter that I had to write, I could at least just work on indents, you know, and it was something I could do in front of the TV if I even wanted to. So, and that's why I haven't finished it yet because I'm saving that. That's like TV work, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I can catch yeah, up on the show. Yeah, that's, that's probably my least favorite part of writing is is the formatting of the book and so I, you know, I, I tip, what I typically do is write a free write first. I just, any scene that comes to my mind, I write it down and I go, it, it's almost like, where do I want to work in the painting or what part of a dance step do I want to practice and, and really yes. nail, you know? So it's one of these things where so the free write to me is the most fun, funnest, most fun. I can never, because <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm seeing both words in English now, but anyway, the most fun I can have is is just writing that free write where I don't worry about editing. I don't worry about is my word choice, you know, correct or am I using, you know, he said, she said too many times. You know, I just get it out on paper, and that's I think the most creative part of writing, 
And then, and then I have to go back and painstakingly edit for grammar mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, did I spell everything right? Is, um, is it formatted correctly? So it's kind of just like I said, when we start talking about the process and since probably the majority of our audience is probably artists. I mean, think of that as you're going back and you're standing there going, okay, I have to put some more detail in here because this just looks like a big blob of paint in this particular color. And what do I want to happen there? That's kind of like grammaring, you know, doing our editing for grammar and spelling and you know, how many word times we use the same word and how many paragraphs and, you know, people are tired of that word. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of where we are in the process where you start to fine tune your painting. We're fine tuning the manuscript and it's, it's tedious. Um, I think in painting, it's more fun than with writing um, just because, yeah, because you're still dealing with color and you're still kind of just having that courage of throwing some color up there where, and I don't think it's a fear thing when you're in the grammar, grammarly and editing and, you know, formatting stage. It's more of like, yeah, it's supposed to look like this. It's almost like it's a rule that we want to break. Yeah, but we, we can't sure. break it because if it's really, really badly written, poorly written, nobody's right. going to read it. So we have to go through that, that labor pain. <laughs> and I used to laugh because it's like, if I had a box of Esther Price candy, I would be through it by the end of a two hour session or something. So it is like everybody who wanted the book out would send me Esther Price candy, chocolate covered cherries. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. So, Hilarious. Yeah, it is. so yeah, so it, it, it's kind of, it is really kind of interesting. So there are all types of um, fears that are out there and they're all at different levels. And one of the things, um, Sherry, you had talked to me about um, exaggerated fears. And I know part of that is, is somebody going to like it? Is somebody not going to like it? Um, and again, what I say to the folks that have that in their mind, just say, you're not, you're not creating for the people who like it or who do. <laughs> Let me say that again. You are, <clears throat> excuse me, you are not creating for the people who don't like it. You are creating for the people who will like it. So don't worry if somebody, I used to say this to, to um, George and, and, uh, some other, a lot of my students, if you're creating something and it's not somebody's cup of tea, that's okay. Mm -hmm. All right. You did the best you can. Mm -hmm. You like it. Other people will like it at some point in time. So just continue. I mean, I can imagine, you know, we all, we all, the past masters, we all are like, oh, you know, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But I can imagine them standing in front of their easels and, and, you know, even the, the past masters of writing, for example, Carrie ended up in the garbage can for Stephen King. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So the story with Stephen King and Carrie was, he was writing the mo movie and it's, and it, as you know, part of Carrie is, you know, the menstrual period and the blood and, you know, and all of that. And it's funny because Stephen got, I guess, halfway through it and threw it away in the garbage can. And his wife took the trash out and looked at it and said, why did you throw this away? This is great. And he's like, what do I know about women's menstrual periods? And she goes, hello, I'm here. What do you want to know? <laughs> so he finished Carrie and that was his, I guess his first big breakthrough. And he, he says, he goes, I owe it to my wife because I didn't think it was any good. And, you know, she did and brought me back to the story. And, 
So it was so it's that kind of thing is, is don't be so hard on yourself that you're throwing it out the window and don't um, exaggerate fear to the point where you don't believe that somebody will like it or, you know, or that somebody's going to tear it apart or whatever. Um, don't even go there. So what's, um, I'll come back to my exaggerated fear, but I want you to talk about yours first. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I was in, I was in a writing group with someone, um, who's, who has become near and dear to me. And he, his name is Santosh Ananda. And he had us go through this exercise where like, we wrote down our fears about um, a project that we were working on. And it's an ebook of meditations that a group of us wrote. And my fear, like my initial fear was that I didn't feel like I was qualified to write meditations for people because I haven't earned my certificate yet. And I'm in the process of that. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, you don't, you don't know if you're qualified even when you are, because Sometimes we need somebody to give us a stamp and say, now you're qualified. Right. So like, I'm just weeks away from my certification and I've been studying yoga for several years now, like in depth. Right. And mm -hmm. I've done one or two meditations. Let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, countless, countless. And um, so, but my fear was that I wouldn't, that I wasn't like certified yet. And so I, I felt like I should have, I, I should have that before we published, but um, then the next part of the exercise was to exaggerate that fear. Like what's make it bigger. Like you're worried about that, but what, what'll happen if, if you do it anyway, and then you keep exaggerating it to the point where there's space monsters. Right. And so <laughs> <laughs> at the end of it, I realized my, my biggest fear for that was that people would see me in public and key my car. <laughs> I don't know why that came out. It just did. Like that was my fear because they would think, oh, that wasn't, you know, whatever. And then the other fear was that um, Deepak Chopra would like diss me in public, like on social media. <laughs> well, well, then you know you made it, right? I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that happens, I'll let you know. Yeah. So it was just like a, it was a fun exercise to like to just realize that fears are just like so in our head you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the meditations and I felt really good about them and got feedback and got good feedback. And so that's part of, you know, being part of a community too, which we talk about and just having, having other people say, yeah, this, this is really good. Go with it. Or having them say, Hey, you might need, you know, maybe make that little change there. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like it's just getting the guidance. It's getting the support all of that is so important to help us get through our, especially irrational fears, I'll say. Yeah. yeah, well, it's really kind of interesting because when you were talking, the first thing I thought about was we're living in such a cancel culture right now where, you know, it seems like it's more important to drag people down than it is to bring people up with this, this whole cancel culture thing. It's like, well, this person does this, so therefore maybe I can't do it. Maybe that's the fear. So I'm going to cancel their joy of doing it. And it's just kind of, it's like, wow. You know, so occasionally when that kind of thing comes up, I just kind of go, yeah, okay, well, that's your thing. Just, you know, just, yeah. you just have to kind of isolate yourself and say, that's your thing. You go ahead and do that, but I'm going to go over and do this because that's where I enjoy being. And, and I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean, we're still 
both of us are still going out there. All of us can still go out there and create for everybody. Um, and those who choose to join us, then that's fine. Those who, you know, don't, they need to find their own space. And again, it's, it's kind of like the other meme that I always see on Facebook. It's not about me, the person that's trying to cancel that. It's about them. It's there. They have the issue, the problem of why they don't like something. It's like, I keep going back to, to very, very, you know, um, contemporary modern art and, there's things that I like and there's things that I don't like. And I could probably go back to the technical reason of why I don't like something, but it's not my cup of tea. So I just kind of go, okay, you know, you go do that. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and, and try to paint like Claude Monet, which I haven't achieved yet. So you know, <laughs> to just go back and forth, but yeah. So, and then um, there, there are different levels of fear. And I, I told Sherry about this before I came on, cause I didn't want to shock her to, you know, in the middle of this. Um, so as I said, I guess, uh, back about, I guess it's been three years now, um, Tom had a bike accident and had three brain bleeds and, um, Tom is my husband and, um, basically almost lost his life. He doesn't understand how close he came to not being here today because he had the most severe concussion that you could have as well. He fell when he was riding his, um, bicycle. A pedal bike, a cycle. So uh, not a motorcycle. Although every time I was in the hospital, they said, so what kind of motorcycle did he have? <laughs> I was like, no, this is a pedal bicycle. <laughs> They're like, are you kidding me? It's like, what did he do? And I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't there. And that was the big thing is I wasn't there. Neither one of us know what happened because Tom doesn't remember the whole thing. So it was, a, oh, Sherry, it's okay. It looks like you're getting ready to cry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, yeah it is. It's very, very scary. And I mean, I was um, faced with, you know, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be not back to the person he was because he went through this life-changing event um, and I went through it with him. But my concern was more about him. So I put off me for a year, um, facing what I faced, you know, and standing up and saying that was a bad time. And so it was kind of interesting because, um, my husband, since he doesn't remember the accident was all let's hop on our cycles and, and pedal, you know, go bicycling. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny part is, is, um, he didn't remember me for about 30. He didn't know who I was for about 36 hours. And then um, he finally remembered everybody. <laughs> he would call me honey because I was calling him honey. And it was like, you know, he honey me back. And then all of a sudden the nurses became honey because he didn't remember any of the nurses names. <laughs> and, and so like, you know, it was, it was very, it was a very, very stressful time. And, um, and then about, I would say, before he remembered my name, the first question he asked me was, is my bicycle okay? And I was like, I so want to wring your neck right now. <laughs> and so you're like, here I am dealing with all this fear. Is he going to be able to walk again? And, you know, I mean, I was told when we walked in, we're, we were looking at six to 10 months of, of rehab and, and all this stuff. He walked out of the hospital five days later. He was the miracle patient. And I was doing Reiki for five straight days, um, moving energy around him so that he wouldn't have to go through rehab. So he had this, you know, if you want to call it miracle 
um, recovery from this to the point where our doctor uh, was reading the report. I had to get him in to see a doctor, they said within 24 hours, but it, because of the way um, getting appointments work, uh, it was like more like two days in. And um, I helped him over to the doctor and all this. And he was reading all the reports and he kept turning around and looking at me, turning around, look, reading the port, report, then turning around, looking at me again with this shocked look on his face. And I never did get to see the report, but um, to see how really devastating this was. And I just kind of, you know, said, okay. Um, and he's like, he told, he just looked at me, he says, Linda, he goes, I'm surprised he's here. He says, I really am. And, you know, all of this stuff I'm taking in, right? Because my number one goal is I come second, we got to get, get Tom healthy. So about, um, I told him that he was not allowed on the bike for six months um, after that. And then the other rule that I gave him was he is not allowed to bike alone anymore which means that I have to bike with him. <laughs> so, and as far as I'm concerned, if I never see a freaking bicycle again, I'll be happy. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that was this huge fear that I had to face, getting back on the bike with him to make sure he was okay. Like I can stop him from falling. How irrational is that fear? You know, I, it's just irrational. But I had something else going on that I didn't realize until about a year later. And that was I had post-traumatic stress disorder. And I would, I would get on the bike and ride with him. I'd let him go ahead of me. And then I would cry while I was riding the bike for 10 minutes. And then after I got up the place where he crashed and came back down, I was fine. But I had no idea that that was PTSD that I was dealing with. So... Um, and Tom knew that I was kind of reacting this way, even though I let him go up ahead um, and it made him feel awful that he was putting me through this. So it was kind of, you know, I finally, after about a year, told my doctor about it and he came back. I said, Tom thinks I have PTSD. And he looked at me because you think, because I've been waiting for you for six months to come in and tell me about this. So I was like, oh, okay. So I do take medication for my PTSD. Um, and then I also, as part of this, and, and the medicine has worked, they, they say I'm, um, re, it's, it, I'm basically recovered from it because I don't, you know, burst out into tears every time I see a bicycle <laughs> or anything now. And I have ridden with him um, since then. And, and it's, it's fine. I don't cry for 20 minutes or whatever on the bicycle when I'm pedaling now. But, you know, I have just enough of medication that I'm not doing stupid things too, like standing on a roof going, I'm going to jump down because I have no fear. You know, so you have to find that, that balance, you know? Um, but yeah, so it's, um, but there are, there are triggers and you have to understand what the triggers are. And then there is a process that follows that. And usually um, the trigger will start the adrenaline. And then you have to understand that you're in that adrenaline stage. So if I'm pacing around the house or something, I'm in that adrenaline stage. And then when that, when the, the fear isn't realized, for example, like uh, he gets home and there's like seven inches of snow on the ground or whatever, and he's home safe. Um, then I, I go through a period where I release that anxiety. And with that release usually comes some tears, not bawling, but you know, my eyes will water. And you just realize that once you get to that stage, that is gone. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of like every day, you know, 
<laughs> of course, if you're living with something like PTSD, walking up to a blank canvas is nothing compared to the other fears that you are feeling when you're in a, um, a an attack, if you want to call an attack, anxiety attack or whatever. So it, it's kind of um, interesting. It's, it's like, oh, well, this one's a real easy one. I can conquer that. I'll just pick up my brush or I'll just start typing. And like I said, a free write's the best thing, but I don't want to play down um, the importance of going through and, and um, realizing what triggered that anxiety attack, what triggered that adrenaline to start going, what is that fear? And um, you may not be able to overcome that like I was trying to do for a year because it became a more chemical issue, um, which is what the pill that I take for it does. It helps to, to break that constant fear of something's gonna happen to him. And I'm able to think and function and, and move along just fine, but it is there. And um, I thought I was completely over it until uh, recently. And I had another anxiety attack and it was like, okay, so it is there. And, you know, I still have to figure out how to deal with this again and make sure that I'm okay. And, and for me, uh, the medicine works just fine. I don't have to go up in medicine. Now it's dealing with the emotional side of that and, and saying everything will be okay and reassuring myself and going out and actually making myself do it so that I can prove that I can handle this. And yeah, go ahead, Sherry. <laughs> well, I was going to, I'd like to say that I think it brings up a really good point and that, you know, it's important to, to get help. Like if your fears are, you know, are really causing issues, like, you know, for our listeners, like then talk to somebody about them right. and get the help that you need. There's no shame in that. No, there's um, not. And then on the other side of that, like you talked about going up to, you know, the, like the blank canvas doesn't feel as scary. And I think that that's where creativity is so important mm -hmm. in many ways is that it helps us channel all the emotions that we deal with, no matter what, you know, like whether it is fear or anxiety or whatever, like when we approach our art, be it dance or writing or painting or drawing, mm -hmm. sculpting, you know, there's so much just that act of creating, I think is so healing. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's also something that you can channel into, um, for us writing a scene, you know, it's, is what's my care, what's my character going through at this point? You know, um, like I said, mine's political crime, espionage and all that. It's like, okay, what did fear feel like if my character is in a fearful place? You know, when does she dig down and get the courage? When does he dig down and get the courage to push through the fear so that they can accomplish whatever it is, you know, in my case, uh, my character getting the, you know, the bad guy, if you will, that they've been spying on, you know, how, to, how does he push through that? Of course, my MI6 agent is pretty fearless. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. It just, I don't really talk about that because he is, he feels he has nothing to lose. So, you know, he's doing this for country. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I have nothing to lose so I can go ahead and do this. And um, so it, it's kind of interesting when, when you do experience something like this, like I know what the taste of having adrenaline kick in. I know what that tastes like in my mouth and um, and all of the different things. So, I, you know, you can use that creatively and um, and in a good way to, to help 
something get better that you're writing or something that you're painting? You know, what does that look like if you want to express it in color and or in black and white? I mean, that's there's something that could always be explored with that. I'm and, and it's OK if you don't want to do that, too, because, like I said, in writing, I may tend to use the emotion and the feeling more in writing than I will in painting, because um, that's just me. That's the way I would want to deal with it. Uh, other people may decide that they don't want it in their writing and want to do it uh, only on canvas and create something only on canvas with that. And, and whichever way you decide to deal with it is perfectly fine. And a lot of times, um, you know, I, I, a couple people that I have talked to um, that I know were going something through something that was traumatic, um, you know, I've talked to them and they're like, you know, thanks for sharing that. And it's, it's almost, um, it's, it's, I don't consider it like a stigmatism. I don't, I don't think that if you want to label me as <laughs> batshit crazy, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you can go ahead and do that. I don't care, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not, you know, so I don't worry about that. And, and I just, you know, I think if I tell that story of how I'm dealing with my PTSD, I'll help people realize that they may have it and that they don't have to live this way. You know, because that year after the accident was enough to just get used to the fact that every time he walked out the door, he was going to be okay, you know. Um, but on the other hand, I also was, I could have had help dealing with that. And I didn't do that for a year. And I hate that year of my life um, compared to where I am now. So uh, yeah, the, the important thing is, is if you think you have PTSD or any other kind of um, condition that uh, is preventing you from living your life, I you know, highly, highly encourage you to talk with your doctors and because there are so many options that are out there. And, and then, you know, actually get into the meditative and um, you know, creative space, that zone that, that we like to live in because it is a bit sheltered. Um, you know, a lot of us create alone um, and, you know, and then expect the share, <laughs> the fear of sharing <laughs> to help us out as well. And, um, you know, so yeah, so it's, there is hope and there is, there's always um you can you can live beyond that you can um then realize that the simple things in life like opening up word or or your journal and there's a bank blank page it's okay if you just start writing whatever comes to mind you may use it you may not use it it's mm -hmm. I, you know i write uh, <laughs> Getting back into a, a more fun conversation, <laughs> uh, you know, I write my free writes are typically three hundred and fifty thousand words. Yeah, and then I, yeah, and then I bring it down to eighty to ninety thousand words for the book. So you're look you're looking at like two hundred and thirty pages. So if you if you two hundred and thirty pages for one hundred and eighty or 80,000 words, 90,000 words, somewhere in there, you can imagine I've written three books in my free write before I go in to actually start yeah. putting my writing together. So um, I have material for the next book because I may pick up a scene that I dropped out of this book that I want to put in the next book. So yeah, so you know, it takes me a good five, six, seven months to write the 350,000 words to 400,000 words. I think I'm up to about 400,000 words now on blind on the fifth book and the weird thing is is I have a whole chapter to write yet because it's 
I haven't written the chapter that brings it, the whole book together at, you know, the end chapter or whatever. And it's like, wow, where did that go? <laughs> so, I'm like going back into the book. It's like, I've had to have written this you know, going into the free write. And, you know, and I noticed that I didn't write it. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of, and this book has been pretty disjointed as well. So there is a fear there that, that you know, it's so disjointed because I can't have the eight hours a day to focus on it. Um, I'm worried and, and here a little bit fearful that whatever I put out there isn't going to be as good as the previous book because I moved during that time to from Cincinnati to Asheville. Um, you know, other things have come up. Uh, we've had the pandemic, you know, it's just thing. I just don't feel like I've had as, as much concentration on the book that I think I need um, to, to publish it. So, you know, that's another fear, right? Yeah. And I wonder, like, for someone like that, like, like, how much time do you give yourself after you write it? Because I, I tend to give myself like a month or two in between drafts. And then I come back to it. And that, like, that space helps. And so I'm just curious, like, if you if you plan to take like a, a break, like a mental break from it completely and come back to it fresh or like, what's your process for that? Um, the weird thing is, is, <laughs> If I get to the point where I, I where I am like right now, typically what I would do is write the beginning of book six, <laughs> so, and, and just like okay, I moved past that. Now where are they and what are they doing and what do I want book six to be about? So, but I haven't even done that with this one. So basically, what I do is um, the last couple weeks, what I've been spending time on is just getting back into what I want it to happen in book five because that's like totally out of my mind. So I, I go back and I look at my, uh, my outline. I go back and read some of the scenes in um, the book that I have that I pulled together. So I've got like seven chapters pulled together, not formatted, some editing done. I call it my like first dry run, if you will. And what I do then is um, I go back and I read that book. Like I could tell you what the first chapter has in it, the second chapter and, and all of that. But now out beyond the fifth chapter, since I haven't written the end, there's some things that I need to go back and reintroduce mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, move a couple different chapters around. So when I go back, when I get to this point, it's like the unpainful or the very painful, excuse me, time that I have to go and put everything into my timeline. You know, and then I have to do, since I'm basing mine on history, okay, so the, the basis of the book is if something happened in the 1980s that kind of basically brought us to where we are today, you know, so we know everything that happened in history that brought us to where we are today politically, okay? So in 1980, if something happened differently, if somebody just had enough foresight to see where we would be in 2020, would he have done, he or she done something different? So my three characters are on a quest to kind of change the course of history, even though they don't know what history is. There's no time travel, okay? This, this is, they're, they're just looking at it going, wow, if we continue down this road, I can see where we may end up, okay? So mm -hmm. I want to change that. So they're, um, one's British, two Americans, and then, um, they are kind they kind of form a pack so um they're out to kind of quote unquote change the world but they don't know what they're changing it to so mm -hmm. i have to know history so and there and there are events that happen outside the united states that 
we couldn't really control. And then there's events that happened outside the United States that we had something to do with it. So then I go into like old CIA projects that have been unclassified. And like there was a blowing up of the Trans-Siberian Pipeline in 1982, which um, there's this whole CIA dossier out there about um, an agent called Farewell who was in Russia. He was a double agent and he was in the Russian Kremlin and he was sneaking out um, documentation on what his directorate was doing. And then we used that information to plant false plans. Like there was a story on the Americans where they grabbed uh, submarine schematics and they built the submarine and it exploded. And um, because it was purposely designed that way and they thought they were getting a real US sub. So they wanted to build one to have that capability. And a lot of people died and, and that is a true consequence of what happened in Operation Farewell. And so I have to understand everything about that operation because I use that in the book. And then um, there was a time when one of the uh, SR-71 Blackhawks um, was out over a mission and they had a triple failure of their maintenance system and had to land in Finland. Well, I used part of that, but they land in the United or in the USSR instead. And then what happens with that? So all of these things I look at, and so I have to have a timeline of every one of my characters and then big things that happen in each of the countries that I'm dealing with. So, uh, so yeah, so it's like, how do I keep that all in place? And how do I keep that in my mind? Because there's only so much my mind can handle. So that's why I have this, it's like probably up to 900 lines now, timeline in Excel. <laughs> And, and it's like, you know, it's so, and then, I mean, to show you the frustration, somebody bought the fourth book without reading the first three books and basically said, well, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's got a really nice cover. It'll look nice on my bookshelf. And I'm like, screw you. <laughs> you know? like, so, but I mean, that was a two, you know, that was two lines. That's all he said. And I was like, I want to talk to this guy. You know, it's like, did, right. you, read the, did you read the first three books? Cause it doesn't make sense if you read the fourth book alone. So right. yeah. So there's all of that, you know, juggling that goes on and that takes time to get yourself into that position. So it's a totally different type of writing for a nonfiction book. How do you do this? You know, cause there's a process that's there and you're telling people what you are doing versus okay, what happens if I, you know, if, um, what happens if my character inserts some new process mm -hmm. that affects how, um, well, let's, and I'm going to get into a lot of detail, but let's just say, you know, he says that, that he's president now and he decides that um, we need to reform campaign finance reform. And we need to, this is in 1980, where they did talk about it, but they really didn't do much. But, um, <laughs> then, you know, so he does that. But in, a, in addition to that, I introduced something that doesn't have anything to do, that it was never done in history. And if I, if I bring that in, how does that affect how people feel about their input into government? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so without giving away too much of book five. But that's the kind of thing that I've got to sit and talk through in my mind, go through in my mind. It's like, if I do this, what happens in 1990? What happens in 2000? 
10, what happens in 2020, because they have the, I have this extra thing that was not introduced back in the 1980s. And you know, how is that going to affect it? Is it going to be good or bad? What's the good, good and bad side of what I'm introducing through my characters so that they can affect change? And how does, how will that, does it have any effect at all? You know, so, and, and you see, get the crystal ball out <laughs> and you just kind of, you know, and so in, in that particular case, it's kind of fun though, too, because you can play, you know, superior being or supreme being or however you want to say God, whatever, but you know, it's just, so yeah. So, and that kind of, that gets me excited when I start thinking about it on those really high level terms, Yeah, but it gets really, really daunting and fearful when I get on that lower level am i giving too much you know some of the questions that you go through is am i giving too much credence for this idea that i came up with that mm -hmm. may or may not have worked you know do i want it to work do i want it to fail you know mm -hmm. these people are only people they're not superior beings they're not god they can't you know control everything in the world which is kind of like the lesson that my president who was called bobby jenkins that's the lesson he has to learn is he can't control everything. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole conversation now that I'm in book five and, and my characters have been developed over four books. You know, what are their failings? Because they are human. Right. You know, so I can't make them perfect. You know, they're not Jack Ryan. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I think, that, you know, that's the trap that I think some writers that are writing fiction can fall into is um, not realizing that your characters have flaws and that's what makes them human. Yeah. And interesting. Uh, uh, and interesting. Yeah. yeah. So as much as it hurts and then everybody's like, how do you kill off a character? And it's like, are you kidding me? That's the easiest thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that, so it's kind of, it is, it is an interesting, um, I can't, I, you know this fear and then the, on the positive side having courage mm -hmm. to to really jump out of your comfort zone and do something and, and i think when we do that it is it i think it i think we are rewarded more than we're not rewarded when we jump oh, out of our country comfort zone so for sure yeah I mean, that's where the magic happens right and i you know i teach students um to paint and it's you know i can i i always want to be create i always want to be supportive in what they're doing um so and i know what it feels like when somebody takes your brush away um uh, and and is just really aggravated because you they haven't taken in what the student hadn't taken in what it is that they are supposed to be doing mm -hmm. um and i always tell my students when i start painting with them, I will not take your brush. You have to offer it to me. I said, because I will not just take the brush and start painting on your painting. This yeah. is your, this is your learning process. This is your journey. It's not mine. I'm not going to shortcut it. If there's a technical reason that I want you to understand, I will, you know, tell you that I will show you that, but I will not grab your brush and I will not just start doing it because you're doing it wrong because yeah they have a different path to get there than I have. So, um, and I've had a number of people grab my brush when I was learning and it was like, really, you're doing that to my painting? 
you know, so, so that really, that one really hit me in the, in the face when that first time that it happened. And, um, so I, I basically, you know, I'll go, can I help you? Or can I show you or something like that? Or they'll go, can you just show me? Usually because they're so frustrated, they're, they're throwing their brush at me. <laughs> Tell me. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> but I think, you know, with, with writing, I t- it's more creative. It's more open where it's like, just open the page and write. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm a lot, I, I guess I'm a big believer in the process. Learning the process is a personal journey. And, you know, we shouldn't be there teaching them our process. We should be encouraging their process. And I think, I think as a teacher, I think that, that or an instructor, I think that's what um, is the most important thing to me. And, mm-hmm. and I know that they're fearful, fearful, but if I don't do my do- job teaching them the technique in the process and letting them develop what that is mm-hmm. um, and, and understanding it in their mind, they're always gonna have that fear of not being able to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So I think as instructors and, and even with yoga, Sherry, I think our big, our big thing is, is to be encouraging so that they continue the growth mm-hmm. instead of trying to shut down whatever it is they want to try to do in their own way. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, like with yoga, it's interesting because there's not, there's not nearly as much creativity involved in mm-hmm. it. Right. And I've struggled, like, that's been one of my struggles with it is because like, it has, like in my life, it has sort of replaced my dancing mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. But um, it's not, it's not a form of self-expression for me, like dancing was, right. although it's just as powerful only in a different way, you know, if that makes sense. So like, right. I like to think of it as like, as leading a yoga class versus teaching one even, mm-hmm. Because I'm not necessarily going to be teaching people everything there is to know about every pose because, you know, there are books, books and books and books written on, on the history of yoga and what it all means, but I can lead them through it in a way that's beneficial to them wherever they are in that journey. And I think that that sort of applies to, to art and writing and everything else. It's just sort of, it's all about us meeting people where they are and helping them grow from there. Yeah. So um, we've been probably chatting for about an hour um, now. So is there anything, I'm, I'm kind of looking over the list that we had written down here. I think we talked to pretty much ways you overcome fears. Did you get a chance to, to voice those? I want to make yeah. sure that we, yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. I, and so I think the, I think basically, at least for me, what I want to end on, and I'll allow you to, to do the same, Sherry, um, was just, just understand, try to understand where that fear is. Try to understand that what's on the other side of that fear. In other words, if it's something like, you know, there's this blank canvas or this page looking at me, just tell yourself, you know, it's okay. No one may never see that painting that you're starting. No one may ever read that first paragraph that you went over 20 times trying to write perfectly. Just start writing. Just like, that's why I love and enjoy the free write so much is because it's just something that somebody may not see. Um, So just, you know, just do it. No one ever will have to see it. Um, If you need to, like Sherry does, you know, 
write down what those fears are and face them um, and push through them with courage and, um, you know, see what comes out the other side. Like I said, you may never have to, there's out of book two and three of the blind series, there's probably 550,000 words that people have never seen. And then there's some, um, you know, teasers that I put out from those or shared those as deleted scenes and stuff like that. So there's always something to, that you can come back around and use at a, at a later time. Um, but instead of concentrating on the fear, concentrate on what you're learning, I guess would be my, my biggest push for that. So Sherry. I think that's great. Um, I will, I'll just share like the most recent thing that I wrote down in my journal. Yeah. Um, because it's really like, this comes back to like being afraid of what other people will think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite, it's attributed to Michelle Ruiz. Um, I don't know who that is. I just, this is like a Facebook meme. <laughs> all of it. Um, but she said, if people are doubting how far you will go, go so far that you can't hear them anymore. All right. <laughs> I like that. So, Okay, so I hope that we've been helpful. Um, and it's early in the year still. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but anyways, <laughs> it's early in the year. <laughs> we're we're probably in, if we have a ten day free trial, we're <laughs> we're we're coming up close to that. But <laughs> no, just keep pushing through. Um, like I said, I hope this uh, podcast was beneficial to everyone. And Sherry and I will get together and talk about what our next one is. Um, as far as the art chat community is going, we're um, posting. Oh, we didn't talk about that. We have a little kind of monthly challenge thing going on where um, I'm basically asking uh, members if they want to participate or not. That's fine. They don't have to. Uh, but we have four different things out there. And now my mind went completely blank. I have to look it up. But basically, one of them was choose a composition if you're a painter. Choose a composition that you have never painted before and either pull on your skills that you have to create a painting in that composition or, um, you know, use reference, however you want to do it. But basically just one that you've looked at that you never had a desire to paint or maybe you were a little fearful of painting because it's a little more difficult than what you have painted before. But choose a composition and just paint that. And then uh, the other one writing was um, basically look at, a, I think I had something like look at a painting or a picture or something and, and write about that scene. Um, and then we had try meditation or yoga or something different this month to, to have the, you know, put that fear aside. Um, and then there was, uh, there was another one, which I can't remember, but they're in the art chat community. Uh, I'll pin it to the top of the page or the top of the group so that everybody will see it. Um, and you're welcome to share the results of what you did. Uh, you do not have to, uh, but talk about, you know, if you don't want to share what you did fine, but please post about how you came over your, overcame your fear to do what you did. Um, if you want to keep that private, we so understand that as well, but hopefully you'll find those little prompts. We had a writing, that's what it was. I had a writing prompt out there and that, yeah, I kind of like this prompt. It was, it's like, well, I might have to write something about this, but it was one where somebody was given a lot of money, inherited a lot of money, but they got to push through their fear 
and do something they were very fearful of before they get the money. So um, that was, yeah, because we, we focused on fears in there. So, so yeah, so there's four things that you can choose to do. And I know that some folks, you know, are like, I don't think it's a fear as much as it is. I don't know how to meditate. And it's just like, well, if you could just sit still for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and just try to clear your mind and breathe. Or even two minutes. <laughs> or even two minutes. Yeah, 10 is probably really long. <laughs> if you could do 10, you're past that fear. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll let Sherry talk about that one. <laughs> She's probably a better person than I am. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Right, so. The fact is just do it. They say with meditation, there's no... There's no wrong way. You can't have a bad meditation. Like just the fact that you're sitting, even if your mind is, you know, doing what we call monkey mind, you mm -hmm. know, or drunken monkey, <laughs> you know, um, just the fact that you're sitting right. and, uh, and trying is, is something. Yeah, so just, just breathe. Any of this. Yeah. Just breathe. Just, just breathe. I, I've always been told that you concentrate on your breath when you're mm -hmm. starting your your meditations. So a little, little point there too. So Sherry, is there anything you want to add before we say goodbye? There isn't. Thanks again for having me. And, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Yeah, we appreciate you and appreciate the support throughout all those years that we've been, that I've been doing this and the work that Sherry's been doing as well. So um, yeah, so take care. And next month, I think we're going to focus Sherry. I, I am and I, if you want to do this and provide photos as well, you are absolutely welcome to. Um, but I asked Joanna Pang uh, for the next challenge to Joanna Pang Atkins, who is a, who danced on Broadway and she was in some TV shows and she has a lot of publicity stills. And um, some of them are in costume with dance and poses and different things like that. So I think what we're gonna do is focus a little bit on gesture um, for that, um, month of February. I may not get it up until the middle of February, but um, I got to work with Joanna to go through some stuff. But if you have any dance photos that you'd like to share, you know, that we're going to challenge and ask people to do painting for that, um, write a story about that particular dance or, or that particular pose, um, focusing on gesture and what it means. And then um, again, you know, encouraging folks to do some meditation and uh, and then I think we'll also I don't can't remember if there was can't remember what the fourth one is that I have there but it'll be on the same type of um, pattern or, or whatever the same thing to write a paint of you know bringing it into our life or, or something like that so yeah awesome. so yeah so next month will be gesture um, and then I'll have we'll have to figure out what what March is so <laughs> But yeah, okay, everybody. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us. Again, I'm Linda Riesenberg Fissler and go Sherry. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So we'll, we'll catch you next month. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.